0: You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN.
1: Time to welcome in my good friend, former colleague. Does a tremendous job covering the NBA for SNY. And whatever you want to find out what's going on around the league with trades, delays on the Knicks and the Nets, check out the putback. He is the star of the putback. Pretty good offensive rebounder in his day. He is Ian Begley. Happy New Year, Ian. How are you, my friend? (laughs) oh larry i'm good man how are you i'm doing great thank you see people don't know that you play bali and i'm trying to you know remind folks how good you really are the basketball
2: i I was hard to move around i couldn't (laughs) jump over a credit card but i was hard to move around
1: listen it's not what you got my friend it's how you use it so you got your skills that's what you did that's what you did Um, First of all, Ian, let's talk about uh, some of the things you just put out on uh, SNY.TV about Jalen Brunson as far as tomorrow's game. What's the latest with him?
2: Yeah, I I think, uh, you know, they're hopeful. Everybody's hopeful. Um, I think they, you know, they were hoping, obviously, he would go Saturday. Um, I think what they're probably going to do is just wait until uh, game time or before game time to see how he's feeling um but you know they need him obviously because you saw how it went against memphis a team that had uh most of its rotation out and the knicks really struggled uh for most of that game they pulled away late and they got it done but uh you know that that offense without Jalen Brunson, uh it's a struggle so they're they're hoping to have him back obviously
1: no question about that and you know it's funny uh i think that Well, I know Nick fans really have an issue with Julius Randle. Okay, he has played probably, though, I'd say the past month or so has been, I think, as good as he's been here. I love the addition, the the adjustment he's made from not just putting up threes and everything, but being more aggressive in the painted area. Uh, And I think the biggest issue we have, and we saw it without Jalen Brunson to kind of run things, was him reverting back to his old ways with turnovers. He had six in the game against Memphis. Uh, as a Knicks fan, how should they look at Julius Randle? Is he underappreciated in a sense?
2: Hey, Larry, I, I've been doing this long enough not to try to tell Knicks fans what to think, but here, here's how I see it. I mean, this guy, he shows up every night. Is he perfect? No. Does he have flaws? Yes. Does he... Uh, some of the defensive possessions where he's not moving around, not giving you 100% effort, does that drive you crazy? I assume it would if you're a Knicks fan. Um, but I don't, you know, this team would not be where it is right now without him. Uh, so I think you have to take that into account. And I think you hit it on the head, Larry. This year, uh, he came in the year talking about wanting to be a more efficient player, and he had to shake the rust off because of the offseason ankle surgery, and he's been very good. I think consistently very good, um, but you know you saw it against Memphis, right? The ball is in his hands a lot. He's got to make a ton of decisions. Uh, he's going to make some good decisions. He's going to make some bad decisions. That's why I think Brunson uh, has been so good for Julius Randle. And you know I think obviously they they want uh, excuse me Jim Brunson back as soon as possible. But I think Randle, you know, long term, I you know we'll see because there's a. I think there's a big trade for the Knicks that they want to make that they don't know specifically who or what, but they are holding on to their powder to until that perfect scenario comes. And then when it comes, is that player coming to play with Julius Randle? Is that player replacing Julius Randle? That's, that's you know talk for June and July. For right now, he is playing very, very efficient basketball. Uh, you take last night out of the equation.
1: It's funny, Ian, because I, I just think from from Nick fan standpoint, they see a, because they see a flawed player. They don't think that there's teams that would want him. Um, it, it, it's fascinating, though, because you could argue right now his trade value probably is as high as it's been since he's been a Nick.
2: I would agree with that. I mean, maybe twenty twenty one, maybe a little higher. Although he was entering. Uh, he was close to his free agency. So now you have him under contract for several, for several years, a contract that is at a good number because of where the salary cap is going escalating and escalating. So it is a very good contract. And I think Randall, uh, you know, I haven't pulled a ton of teams, but I, I would say that the trade value uh, is pretty strong right now. If if the team feels like Julius Randall's the right fit, but I, I do think, you know, big-picture sense, I don't think Randall's is going out anywhere until and, and unless the Knicks find that big deal, that big superstar deal where it makes sense to put him in there from a salary pe- perspective, from a talent perspective.
1: Ian Begley's my guest, SNY, NBA insider, also does a great job on the putback on SNY.TV here on The Drive on 98.7 ESPN. Ian, let's talk about the last trade that the Knicks made with uh, O.G. Ananobi. Boy, I tell you, he really has made an impact. And we've had these conversations. You and I especially have talked about, boy, all they need is a 3 and D guy and a little more height on the mm-hmm. wing, athletic. And, boy, he has fit the bill perfectly.
2: He really has. I mean, Larry, I think we've been having that conversation for about <laughs> 10 years. And now they get a young player who, who fits their timeline, who really can defend. You can really defend. And, you know, offensively, you could argue that he's a better fit than R.J. Barrett, and that's not a slight to R.J. Barrett, but that just is more so about O.G. Ananobi, you know, shooting off the catch and, you know, uh, shooting the three-pointer, but not needing the ball in his hands a ton to be effective on offense. And so you have the ball in Jalen Brunson's hands, you have the ball in Julius Randle's hands more, and by and large, I think that's been pretty good for this Nick offense. So, yeah, it's been a very good fit so far. I don't think the Knicks would have traded for OG without really strong confidence that they could re-sign him in the summer in free agency or maybe extend him uh, when that, that deadline is, is late June. So either way, I don't think they're trading for him without high confidence that he will remain a Knick, uh, for sev- for several years to come. And for this season, you just want to see um, how much he can impact things, particularly against teams with top wins. How much can he slow that that top score down, maybe that score that the Knicks haven't uh, had a lot of success with slowing down uh, prior to his arrival.
1: Uh, Ian, what's interesting to me now is going to be, and this is kind of the concern that a lot of Knicks fans had with Brunson and now Randall getting more minutes because, Tibbs is trying to find a way to get that bench rotation and chemistry together. It's going to take some time, obviously. Uh, Two-part question. A, Miles McBride. Is he – what we've seen from him the past couple of games, is this the Miles McBride that they held on to and they've seen in practice? Because he sure didn't get a chance to show a lot during games at this level. He didn't. Yeah,
2: he's been mostly out of the rotation. Uh, If you go back to the preseason – he shot it really well in the preseason. Uh his shot wasn't where it is right now for his entire career. But credit to him, he's really worked hard on it and he's stayed ready, so to speak. You know, even when he wasn't in the rotation, he was he was working very hard uh, you know, to stay ready in case his opportunity came and here it is. And he's taken advantage of it. Uh, he shot it really well. I think the thing there with that second unit and the issue with playing Brunson and, and Randall more minutes is you, ideally you have somebody else who can create off the dribble, create their own shot off the dribble, tilt the defense off the dribble, and you, you're not going to get that a ton from the guys in this second unit right now. So, you know, maybe that's something that Knicks look to address with the trade deg- deadline coming up for me. But Miles McBride has done his job, and he's done it well uh, so far for this Knicks team.
1: He really has. And, he's, he, and if they could just get um... – Quentin Grimes rolling a little bit where he could be a bit more consistent, uh, that would take some pressure off that second unit as well.
2: Interesting thing to me with Quentin Grimes is, you know, he has a history as a player of creating off the dribble, creating his own looks. And I think that's there uh in his repertoire. I don't know, you know, we haven't seen it a ton at the NBA level, but I, I do think it's there. So I wonder maybe if the Knicks in this period where they're kind of figuring things out with that bench unit do they put the ball in Grimes hands a little more and, and see if he can create and tough the defense and create looks for his teammates. I, I don't, I don't, haven't seen that a ton yet, but I, I just wonder if that may be coming as they decide on what to do ahead of the trade
3: deadline.
1: All right, let's go back to it. Ian. you know, you know, that's why we love you. That's why we have you here. Give me some from your reporting that you've had on SNY. What are some of the moves that, you're possibly hearing that the Knicks might be able to do during that during the uh, at the trade line com- deadline coming up because, you know, some of these draft choices they're not they're not around forever. A and neither is Fournier's expiring contract.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's uh it's it's a tricky time period for them because of the expiring deal. The Knicks could also, as uh, your colleague Bobby Marks referenced, they could also pick that option up Fournier's team option if they don't trade him at the deadline and then he becomes a salary filler for another deal. But you're putting the guy on ice for so long. It's just, it's uh, it's tough for 40 in his career, but it's a business. As far as this trade deadline, I know I read Malcolm Brogdon's name uh, a decent amount. To to my knowledge, I don't think there's been uh, any significant connection between New York and Portland on that. At least that was the case as of. Late last week, and then Dejounte and Murray. Uh, you, we know that you know some some big voices with the Knicks see him as a great great fit next to Jalen Brunson. Uh, that was before the OGN and OB deal. But I think the Knicks would still have enough to get a deal done uh, for Murray if they wanted to, if they wanted to be aggressive there. I think you look at Brogdon and Murray, and two things in common: one. They're under contract for more than just this season. So you see how it goes this year. And then, you know, if if there's a trade to be made, that's a salary you could use in a future trade and and an attractive trade piece in DeJounte Murray. But also, I'd be remiss if I mention this, uh, they're both represented by Clutch Sports, uh, Rich Paul's agency. And we wrote about this a few weeks ago. Uh, Rich Paul, you know, he's he's hesitant to do business with the Knicks and – I don't know exactly why, uh, but I, I do know that you know if, if the field is equal and if there are, you know, let's say six teams trying to make a trade for a Brogdon or a Murray, and you know Rich talks to his player and his player is fine with going to several different destinations. I think Rich would prefer to do business with other teams and not the Knicks, and that was the case late December. I know well, I was told, that you know, their side, Klutz, would want a, a meeting with Leon Rose and William Wesley to kind of sort things out. Um, and if that meeting didn't happen, this dynamic would remain. I don't know if they have met since then. They may have, but it's just something that, to keep an eye on if you're a Knicks fan and you're looking at this trade deadline and what may or may not happen.
1: Ian Begley's my guest. Ian, let's go over to the Barclays for a second. It, it, I think I put uh, put the kibosh on the Nets. About maybe six weeks ago, I was talking about how really good a job Jacques Vaughn had been able to do by keeping that team together. And, you know, they had some injuries. You know, they had Cam Johnson hurt at the start of the season. And, you know, they had some other injuries there. And Mikael Bridges was trying to hold on to the team and everything. And now they have just hit some hard times. What is going to be their? process as they approach the trade deadline. Ian, are they, are they going to stand pat? Are they going to try to improve a little bit? Or do they just say, you know, let's keep going as well as we can and see what we can get done in the draft?
2: I mean, if you look big picture,
3: I just wonder
2: how much patience they can have with this season and, and this group. I mean, they're coming off the Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, era, which obviously did not go where the Nets wanted it to go. Uh, I thought Sean Marks GM did really well in pivoting and getting Mikael Bridges, getting draft picks, getting Cam Johnson, um, in the, in the Kyrie Irving and the Kevin Durant deal. And so I think that on paper, this roster looked really good and it just hadn't gelled and you wonder. How much of it is health issues what you mentioned? What is it coaching? But something's not clicking there because the roster, I think, has enough talent to where you'd expect the record to be better than it is. So I don't think the Nets are gonna, you know, be uh, like trying to blow things up again and start from scratch because I don't I don't know if they can. I think either you you maybe do a. A minor retooling, or maybe you take a big swing at a DeJounte Murray who everybody expects is going to be moved by the deadline. Um, so maybe you throw your hat in the ring there and you see if he can spark this roster because you need something. Something has to change uh, because uh, status quo, I don't think, is good for anybody involved over there.
1: No doubt about that. Last thing, of Toronto looks like they're going to make some more moves. You mentioned Atlanta and some of the things they're doing. Uh, give me one or two other teams that you think might in this office during this trade deadline be, you know, the idea of they're going to try to make a big move to get themselves to the next, uh, to, to, to another level.
2: Yeah. I would keep an eye on the Lakers because you always keep an eye on the Lakers, but particularly now where, you know they're they're always in win now mode, but they're particularly this season in win now mode. And they have tradable contracts, and I think they will be right there on Dejounte Murray and probably some other players. And I think you know maybe D'Angelo Russell um, would get moved in a kind of a bigger deal. And then you have to look at Detroit too, because Detroit woefully has underperformed their expectations. What does that mean? For them, do they, you know, I think they're trying to hold on to their jobs, too, the front office over there. So are they aggressive and trying to make a bigger deal? Um, And do they hold on to their veterans? Uh, It's interesting over there just because of how bad the season has been and the current regime is going to be making decisions there. Are they going to make decisions with this season in mind? Are they going to be making decisions with, you know, uh, three or four seasons down the line in mind? Uh, That, to me, is something that I'm going to keep an eye on. And then you've Chicago, right? Mm. Uh, Zach Levine, he's going to be on the table until the deadline. And to DeRozan, interesting, because teams will have interest in him, but his contract is coming up. So uh, there's a little bit of a dance there to be done with Teams who want the in and, and trying to get an assurance that he wants to be there longer than just this season. But those are the places I would keep an eye on, Larry, as we get closer to this thing in February. 8th.
1: I'll say this, Ian. I hope the Ananobi trade stops the rumors of Zach Levine coming here because he's been coming here for like, seems like every year of his career. It's <laughs> a trade that. Okay, uh,
2: Larry, <laughs> I never make any assurances, uh, but I'd be. But I'd be stunned if Levine came here uh, at this point. Uh, can you, you can never say never, but I think I'd think i be shocked. So you could probably count that one out at this point, Larry.
1: Hey, consider- I don't you
2: excited about that
1: or, or – No, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about that. Happy. No, I'm good. I'm good. And considering what you've seen during your career, that, that, that says a lot. <laughs> that you would be stunned. Because <laughs> you've seen a lot of stuff, my friend. You've seen a lot it, of stuff.
2: It takes a lot. It takes a lot <laughs> for me to be stunned. This will be a stunner.
1: No question about it. Ian Begley, once again, great job as the uh, SNY NBA insider. Check him out on the putback on SNY.tv. He's got all the latest stuff. He's got guests he has on there. Got some pretty good contributors as well. Ian, uh, regards to the family, thanks for a couple of minutes, my friend. We'll be watching and reading you.
2: I appreciate you, Larry. Likewise, man. Hope to see you soon.
1: All right. Sounds good, my friend. Ian Begley. We'll step away, get his thoughts, and what – did Mike McCarthy say to them Cowboys at halftime? We'll find out because we'll see how they play. All that's next on The Drive on 98.7 ESPN.
0: You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN.
1: Let's go to the phone. Spike is in St. Pete. Hey, Spike, you're next on 98.7. eight
0: seven. Spike fighting a little bit here. I should glad to talk some hoops with you. Uh, I enjoy, uh, enjoy everybody that you talk to, uh, fellow Christian from the uh, news and, mm-hmm, and, of course, Winfield. Begley. Who, yeah, yeah, very good. Everybody's very good. They they know a little more than we do, you know, because they don't let much information out. Mm-hmm. But uh, listening to Ian Bagley, I was, I was thinking back to the the time when uh, Woody was over at Atlanta, and he built that team up. Remember, every year yeah. he kept winning a few more games and a few more games, and then— He got to his peak. This team's a little bit different. First of all, I think we know our basketball pretty well. You know, Mm -hmm. the the regular people that we talk with each other, we talk to kind of the same people.
1: Yep. There's there's
0: nobody out there. There's no one out there. We can't make up a a player. You know, the joke was that uh, Josh Hart... And uh, OG Ananobi, well, we created in the laboratory for Tom Thibodeau. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, those guys, in, in hindsight, yeah, those are his type of players. You do very, very well with those guys. And watching OG move without the ball is a pleasure for old-timers like us. It's beautiful to watch. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Deuce McBride, they've been hiding because everyone knew in college when he played for that guy Huggins, that's all I'll say. I won't mm-hmm. comment on how I feel about him. Thank you. Just uh, <laughs> no, I just I can't. It's upsetting. So yeah. um, anyway, we knew what we had there. You could see him playing that West Virginia game. He moved his feet well, he moved his. I go over this with my nephew, Trey. We understand. he, he was a hidden gem. If he was six, three, he could be an all-star. You know, mm-hmm. so we know what we have. What bothered me about Julius Randall. and I don't like saying this because he shows up for every dance. That's mm-hmm. commendable. But even last night, now look, I watched that uh, roster, and when I don't know four guys on the team, there's something wrong because yeah. I'm a one-sport guy basically, a little baseball. And I'm watching, and I'm who are these guys? Don't lay yeah. down, please don't lay down. But on defense. I don't care if he scores or he doesn't score. He doesn't box out. No, he doesn't. I, I just don't get it. Right? You'd be running laps. And oh, it bothers me. You brought it I up. I wouldn't be playing. Not
1: running laps. It's like I wouldn't be playing.
0: Yeah. yeah. That's right. You wouldn't be playing. And, <laughs> and and the good thing about this whole thing, I talked to a couple of other fellas today. It's been a while. We caught up. And long yeah. weekend for all, all of us. Well, I'm tired, but it's every week long weekend. But getting Hartenstein in, in here is is a pleasant problem to have. I even noticed him last night. He this this push shot with his left hand because he's a pretty tall guy. He's a legit six eleven, and he he plays with such a um, a vengeance almost, but almost, and he has this finesse. He, it's hard to even describe the kind of guy he is. And he played for the Clippers and he played for Utah. We understand. So I'm happy with him. I don't want to mm-hmm. hear we move Mitchell Robinson. Everyone's so. Quick. It took us a long time, Larry, to get to this place. Yeah. A long time. So let's enjoy the games. We have twelve of the next fourteen. You could double check me. Sometimes I'm wrong. But I believe twelve of the next fourteen are at home. Mm-hmm. And you got some teams like Houston who's a very good defensive team's gonna come in. You have some other teams. I-, I can't look at any team. There's no easy game. No. That's the way I look no. at it. You're right. There's no e- there's no easy game. You saw it last night. Uh-huh. And again, the, the statistics are, are almost meaningless. When Julius Randall, the six turnovers you brought it up to Bagley, that's fine. It just every one of them nauseated me. Yeah, and yeah. there's no no Trying reason to for that. Much. Now I was right, and I look back at the game tape when I saw OGN and Obi had four turnovers, and you know two of them were, were good strips, that type of thing. But you have to just understand the next forty games. See, I think the Knicks, I'm watching the other teams very carefully. That game the other night when you were on with the Boston, they got every call at home to keep mm-hmm. the streak going. And and Anthony Edwards, who I think is going to be first team All-Pro in the next year or two, I
2: agree. he
0: really he, he got stripped. He, listen, he's young. Is he 22? Maybe. So yeah. I think we're in a great spot. Let's enjoy it. The schedule's favorable. I'm not going to say out of the next 14 we'll be 10 and 4 or mm-hmm. 13 and 1, but I don't think we've lost more than one game to a team under 500 this year. Maybe your guys can check it in the back.
1: No, they had the, no um, no. It's one game. Thanks, Spike. Last I checked, it was one game uh, that they had lost to an under 500 team, and Edwards is 22, so he's good. One thing I'll say about Hardenstein. And it doesn't always happen, but it's happened in his case. There are so many examples of players who, when you give them more playing time, their, their performance decreases. That's not been the case with him. The more playing time he's gotten, he has elevated his game, and it's been steady during that, during that same time. So the question now becomes is, you know, now it's about will he be able to play the amount of games and these minutes as he's done in the past? That's going to be the next question about Hartenstein. And Dobbs is open again. In the the Dallas game, he's open again. I mean, uh, Parsons got to love late. I mean, I'm surprised he didn't throw a flag. And... Dobbs just spun spun the defender around, and they are deep. Oh, that's helmet to helmet. That should have been a penalty. I'm surprised. But listen, uh, Green Bay didn't need it because they're moving the football again, and they're about to. (laughs) They're in the red zone. They're at the 17 right now of Dallas, and they're ready to put some more points on the board. Wow. This could be ugly. We'll continue the conversation next on 98.7 ESPN.
0: You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN.
1: To the Dallas Cowboys, if he was in the locker room. I don't think McCarthy said that in the locker room because Green Bay came right out, scored. Dallas came down, got a field goal, and they were answered by a touchdown from Green Bay. So Green Bay, Dallas has the ball back. And here's what they have to do. we we'll get to the calls in a second. They've got to get a touchdown on this drive, okay? And then they need their defense to get a turnover, so either a pick six or puts them in position where the offense comes in and scores. By the fourth quarter, they have, this has to be a two-score game. If this is not a two-score game by the by the start of the fourth quarter, this is going to be tough. This is really going to be tough, and and I, I, I haven't looked at X in the past minute or so, but I can imagine Belichick and Dallas are trending. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. Ira's in Staten Island. Ira, you're next on the drive.
3: Hey, Larry, what's happening? You beat me to the punch. Bill's packing. <laughs>
1: Believe it, yeah.
3: I'm, 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 fact, I think Jerry called him at halftime and probably uh, got the plane on the way down. you see McCarthy fly at about eight o'clock tonight, and oh. you have a nine a.m. press conference tomorrow announcing Belichick the head coach. I mean, just to me, this is it's, bad. Do really bad. Just as I feel like I'm watching a jet game, but this is <laughs> this is a, this is a stunner. But I tell you, how smart the green Bay Packers look going with his kid love and get mm-hmm. rid of a future hall of fame quarterback. We're stuck with Rogers and the Packers made every right move. And they got, I don't know, probably about 20 more minutes to put this game away. It's uh, they know what they're doing. And the jets, uh, you know, they just, all they already are. But really I called about Belichick. I, 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 I totally agree with you. I, because listen, he, he's not looking to build a program and coach for another five years. No, uh-uh. This is a ready-made situation um, he goes in there, and uh, then all of a sudden, the Cowboys are Super Bowl contenders for next year.
1: It's Parcells' part two, Ira. Yeah, of course. That's it, what it
3: would be. hundred percent. And I mean, yeah, I think they took the Packers for granted. I yeah, think I mean, so the too. way they came out early in the game, they look like you know they just can mail it in, and all of a sudden they're down by three scores, and it's unfortunate that that guy dropped the interception right before half. I know. And I know. Yeah. It's, <laughs> That would that, that that was a close one, but uh, we'll see how this plays out. But uh, Dallas loses, I, I fully expect Belichick to be the head but, coach.
1: But it's crazy. I I said it earlier, and thanks for the phone call. It was good hearing from you. Is I didn't expect this. Once again, I compared it to Houston yesterday. All right, and that's a totally different situation. This it's a the similarities are you got young quarterbacks. Okay, but once again, Houston goes in there; they got nothing to lose. Nobody expects them to win. Even against Flacco. Look at the way Flacco's played over the to end the, the regular season. He was outstanding. And the Jet fans are like, Well, why didn't we bring Flacco back? Why didn't you bring Flacco back? Because you didn't see that Flacco last year. That's a great pass right there by, by uh Prescott to get to, to Gallup to get them deep in Green Bay territory. That's what you gotta do. You didn't see that Flacco last year with the Jets. You didn't see him the past two years with the Jets. Unfortunately, the Flacco yesterday is the one the Jet fans saw mostly. I mean, he had I'm not saying he played every game bad, but that was the one yesterday was the guy you saw, not a lot of distance in the completed passes. Short passing, not not nothing, you know, down the field and you just kept going and going. But Green Bay's got injuries on their defense now. Second player, Alexander now writhing in pain on the field had another linebacker go off earlier, and now you got another player coming off defensively. So, you know, we'll see how deep that Packer defense is. That's something else that could change momentum. So we'll see how that goes. So that's number one. And then number two, you look at Love, and Ira, you're 1,000% right. But once again, you're stuck with Rodgers because your second pick overall did not perform. That's why you're stuck with Rodgers. You had a young quarterback. Okay, you well, he's still on the team, so let's not do past tense. You have a young quarterback, okay? You drafted a young quarterback second overall. This is what you would want your quarterback to look like now. In his third year, this is what you – forget the first year. Okay, forget the first year. All right, very few quarterbacks look like C.J. Stroud coming out. Coming out of college, having that type of success in their first year in today's NFL with all the different changes and, and everything that's out there. Very few look like C.J. Stroud and perform that consistently and that efficiently as a young quarterback. Doesn't happen. So nobody expected Zach Wilson to be that. But in year three, he's not even close. That's the issue. That's why you're stuck with Aaron Rodgers because here, this was the game plan. Look, let's bring in Aaron Rodgers. We don't want him this year. Maybe we can, maybe he can work with them. Then Rogers leaves and we got Zach Wilson and maybe we can solidify something. Well, not only you had Rogers, but he didn't play. Wilson played and you found out you don't have anything. And now you're in a situation where you still need a young quarterback and you need a backup quarterback because everybody, and I'm not just the jets. Everybody's got to elevate their backup quarterback play after what you saw this season all the injured quarterbacks that were there, 15 different quarterbacks started in the NFL during the league, during the season, because of injury to the starters, 15. I mentioned earlier, Cleveland had five different starting quarterbacks because of injury. So, you know, it can't, it can't continue. You got, you got to do better it's your backup quarterback and you got to do better drafting. And it's not just the quarterback position. It's every position, and everybody knows it's a crap shoot. You're not the only team. I know to Jet fans it feels like we never get it right, but you're not the only team that makes mistakes and, and get draft choices that don't, don't work. You're not the only one. Not the only one. It just seems like it, but you're not. We'll continue the conversation next on 98.7 ESPN.